Welcome to Under the Radar, it's a Dogs in the Field production with me, Sean Hughes. Uh, today we have uh, Ash Jesus in again, and Adam Bloom, who I haven't seen for ages, who I love. And also we have uh, our uh, fitness professor, Richard uh, Galinsky. He's uh, at the College of uh, Sport and Health Science. He's flown especially from LA, so thanks very much for coming in. Uh, can I call you Richard? Of course. Great, Great to be here. Um, you're English, though, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, right, Adam, um, I want to know, this is a bizarre one, but I really want to know what Passover is all about. Uh, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, just tell me what you know about it. Not Nothing. Okay. Right, that's the end of uh, Under the Radar. It's a <laughs> short one this week. Uh, Pass and over. No, actually, what I want to know, right, yeah. is um, I, like, you, you've been pretty much going same time as me. Not quite, but yeah, 20 yeah. years. And you've never been given a go on television. No, I, be, I got Channel Four gave me a, a broadcast pilot, 24, 25 half hour uh, comedy lab thing. Do you yeah. mean my own vehicle? What? No, I'm talking about the sense of like you are one of uh, the better comics, and you've never been given a go. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Uh, mixed feelings. I think um, ninety eight, ninety nine, like sort of exploded onto the scene, and. And it came out, went from open spots to bits of television almost overnight. I did the Buzzcocks Review in 1999. Right. So what happened to me was I was a young bloke who got given everything, breaks very early on, panicked and found myself, you know, on television to five million people on a panel show as opposed to doing stand-up, which is what I did. And rather than grabbing the moment, I sort of went, oh, I don't really like this. And to think people... Really? Went, yeah, and then well, I, didn't, I didn't like being shoved in front of a camera doing something I wasn't used to. You know, it's like you're good at skipping, and they go, okay, we'll go and throw a ball. So I felt probably a bit scared of it all. And then when the, then the attention stopped, because people went, okay, well, he's not this genius we thought he was, then they went on to the next thing. Whereas I continued getting better and better and yeah. better, and they weren't interested anymore. The only reason I'm not bitter, and I genuinely am not bitter, is because I love stand-up. Stand yeah. I love stand-up more than money, and I love stand-up more than fame. In fact, I don't even like fame. It got quite boring having a bit of fame. So, all I want to do is earn enough money to live doing comedy, which is what I've done for 20 years. Well, but, but then weirdly, someone who says they like love stand-up, you don't do one-man shows, though, do you? Yes, I do. I, well, since I've become a parent, I haven't gone to Edinburgh. I've done Edinburgh eight times. Right. I've done Melbourne twice. I've done several hours of one-man shows, yeah. But I've you, toured. But you haven't for ages, though. No, I haven't. I think what I've done is I do, I do a lot of writing for other people. Who do you write for? No, no, no names, no names. That must be hard for getting the money in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the blank check at the end. It's awkward. Uh, when you say uh, no names, are you talking about you write uh, television stuff or stand-up? No, stand-up. I write stand-up for people. Really? Yeah. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Cause I've I, written for 38 people. I cannot stand... You hate that, don't you? I, 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 don't even get on stage if you're not writing your own stuff. Yeah, I know That's what you mean. I can't... I can't fact, I, he's really furious. He's gone red. Hmm? You've actually gone red with fury. Well, yeah, I just, like, <laughs> pretend that you're saying these things. That's terrible. To me, stand-up is an expression of self, so yeah. therefore it's a contradiction for someone else to be saying it for you. We've all... The only thing I could say diplomatic is, apart from I get paid, so I'm going to do it, is that... What's the rate, then, for a joke? No, I get a day rate. It's great. So you just spend a day with Jimmy Carr and then see what comes up. Good know? guess. <laughs> um, I do four hours on my own with the notes they give me and then so, four hours I, with the person. So what? They say, they go, I want you to write about beer mats or whatever. Well, they might say, I've got some stuff on beer mats, then give me the lines. I rewrite one, add a topper to one and change one completely or whatever. Yeah. And then 
meet up with them with my notes and then go over what we've got. And then my theory is eight hours with one person is going to be exhausting, especially if that one person is me. So therefore it's better to do four hours together. Cause it, I used to do eight hours and they go to the loo on six hours and I think, please be a poo. <laughs> you know <laughs> please i'd almost give them food in my house just have stuff you, them with food have you written guys you write jokes for telly as well or just for stand-up just for stand-up yeah. stand-up that i end up on telly but not yeah, yeah, a telly yeah, program like, no 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 not a panel show but no then the thing that really freaks me out is yeah. if you just come out with a really good joke in the process yep. you hold that back no i don't no i don't and do you ever use any of the stuff yourself no but that's bizarre, because if you've got a really funny line, surely you want to keep that for yourself. Well, there's, t- there's a couple of things. First of all, the premise is often there, so they go, they've got a funny situation they've thought of. They just haven't like nailed it. Like being a scouser. <laughs> they've got, no, they've created, a, they've created a funny situation that you didn't think of individually. So therefore, if you rewrite that or add a topper to it that's beautiful, yeah. you didn't come up with that. You would never have come out with that joke on your own. So therefore, you don't feel bad about them having it. What's frustrating is when you come out with a beautiful joke in their style that overlaps with your style enough for something you could have done and you go hmm I've just I've just made something in a factory that I could do with myself you know yeah, some little yeah. Chinese bird making an iPod going oh, I should own an iPod too mm. put, it, put it in my pocket on the way home so how much do you get paid for the eight hours work then What's in your bank account right now? Oh, tell me, you'll tell me, and then I'll have to tell you. I, I just want to know. <laughs> uh, it's, very dangerous. it's very dangerous to do that, isn't it? Because the person just goes, uh, t- two and a half million, your turn. Why? But, I, but I'm just, like, obviously it's none of my business, but I'm just intrigued that. You're, like that. you're like that drunk bloke after a gig that goes, so how much you get paid then, mate? How much you get paid? That was me. Isn't that very rude question? No, but, like, honestly, I'm just, like, just say, let's stop the topic, but I'm just curious to know what a joke... Uh, Writer gets. Um, is like, is there a rate that everyone gets the same no, rate? No, no, no. I, I, you negotiate. I was very pleased to find out I got paid twice what a friend was getting recently. Oh, well, tell me what your friend got then. Half of what I got. This is cheeky, isn't it? It's cheeky. Listen, um, listen. <laughs> start East I'm, I'm from Richmond. <laughs> Adam doesn't follow anyone on Twitter. That's his rule. And you unfollowed me recently. A long time ago. So you, 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 you are on it, but you don't. I only tweet jokes. I don't have conversations. What it was, was I, I'll tell you that, I, I was on Twitter uh, starting from being a new dad four years ago, and it was a good time to tweet because you've got a baby sleeping and whatever, and you're sitting around being babysitting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got so bogged down with it that the, when, when my wife went back to work after maternity Two grand, leave, yeah, for a, a day? No. Okay. And and then <laughs> it's considerably less. <laughs> Do you think I'd be here now if I was getting too good today? This was this was a nice thing. The day my wife went back to work, I was addicted to Twitter. The day she went back to work, I cancelled my account, got rid of all my followers, cancelled my account, didn't put it on hold because I was terrified of being someone on the phone with his daughter coming towards him, showing him something he's made with Lego, and I'm talking to a stranger about nothing. Yeah, that's me. Okay, well you get you get twenty. So you're not on it anymore. I am, but I I don't follow anybody, and I only tweet jokes, which is saying to people, I'm not here for t- to chat. I don't want a conversation about because I used to tweet where I was. I'm at this. Show and I'm doing it, and 20 people would ask questions yeah. so you get stuck and I'm too polite to ignore any of them so I'd reply yeah. to all 20 and then someone would reply to, to my reply and then yeah. you're stuck and it would be an hour fending off these balls coming to you well you don't you. do Facebook though no because that is that is what that is I'm quite reclusive I'm quite reclusive I don't I don't like I think I spend enough time did you see that Banksy thing recently that came out about the couple couple hugging and they're both on their phones looking at yeah that epitomises the generation we're in. I was in a dressing room the other day. Everybody was on their phone. Sit five people all on their phone. I thought, 
what happened to conversation? The lovely people haven't seen each other for ages are all busy doing something else. Everyone knows that's the way it is, and it's it's wrong. So I figured I've got enough time. I'm self-employed. I manage myself. With, I've got an agent for television and stuff, but I manage. Not great, is he? <laughs> I manage myself for. <laughs> he looks so chuffed with himself. I manage myself. <laughs> Regulars are going to be able to hear the sound of smugness in his voice. It wasn't. Smart. I can tell I when my dad. I can tell my dad. It was my comic instinct. Wasn't okay, it? fair enough. Yeah. I can tell my dad when my dad doesn't really agree with me on the phone because he licks his filling, <laughs> so I can hear go. Oh, <laughs> and you think that's that's his that's his little um tick. You know, when well, people eat the back of the neck when they're a bit stressed or something. The very fact that you're having a conversation that with a parent that they can disagree with, I think that's phenomenal. Cause oh, fair enough. I can get nothing out of. Well, my dad's not around anymore, but my mum is just all surface. Really? Perhaps, you, perhaps she's got really good teeth. <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> I'd never thought of that. No, actually, she's got false teeth. But that's amazing. So you actually have proper conversations with your parents. Yeah, I must admit, since emails become more popular, my dad and I tend to email. Do you know that trick where you think, I could avoid talking to my dad mm. by emailing him? But it, yeah, you, my dad you doesn't the... email or have a mobile phone. Oh, wow, lucky you. So he, and he, no, it's, and he's, he's very poor. And he, and I wouldn't still, laugh at that. Oh, right. <laughs> and he still does that thing when he does answer the phone. When Takes you ring ages. Up the, no, no, when you, when you ring up the house and he answers the phone, he literally goes, how are you, do you want to speak to your mum? Oh. That, literally uh, that. Well, I've got you. And then occasionally, my mum will say, you never talk to your dad. He sits at home going, why don't you talk to your dad? That's he really misses you. We've been out with, hello dad, it's your son, I'm ringing up specifically to talk to you. Hold on, I'll just put your mother on. I know. And why do you want to talk to your mum? Obviously you're yeah. ringing up to talk to your dad. Yeah, well, see, like, this feels really weird because, like, my dad died, I guess, three, four years ago now. And we weren't, like, uh, like really that close, but when you say things like that, that's when I just go, actually, i tell you the weirdest thing. When I see people my dad's age on the street, and I go... Why is he still alive? Is that a bit odd? What you a little bit angry? Yeah, but just like what? Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the whole lottery of like. Yeah, but I feel that about you being successful. Yeah, but we're friends, so you don't. Feel <laughs> like what I mean is, what I mean is, life isn't fair, and it, we just have to take what we get, don't yeah. we? I, I'm sure you feel that. My parents are both alive, and I'm sure I'll have a similar thought. Um, but of course, you know, how old was your dad when he died? Seventy-three. I think bang on average. Oh no, seventy-seven. Four is years that? early, yeah. Bring me right down there. <laughs> Comedy podcast, people. Comedy I, I, podcast. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd have made this series before me, mate. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> On a lighter note, can I just quote Dan Evans, comedian Dan Evans, who I love. He's a real comics comic. He's got a line. He says, Do you ever see uh, little old men hunched over, walking around looking really self conscious? Because I think I've worked out what it is. Do you remember when you're young and you see a really old person, you said to your friend, If I ever get that bad, can you shoot me? They're just worried someone actually still alive who they've said it to. <laughs> That's uh, a good line. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? So, uh, how many kids have you got then? Two girls. And so, what ages are they? One and four. Oh God! So, like, that's full on at the moment. Yeah, then, it's yeah. very intense. It's why I've taken this podcast. And so, but you, you don't live in London anymore either, do you? No, I live in Surrey. And so, have you got a connection with Surrey? Or? Yeah, my 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 wife's parents are up the road, and my nieces and nephews are all up the road, and my mum's not far. So it's very, very in the middle of it all, for family-wise, so people can visit when they want. My niece comes over for sleepovers and baths. It's great. And what does, uh, what does your wife do for a living? Nothing. No, because you said earlier on when she went back to work. She's been very redundant. You, yeah. Bad, <clears throat> and now I see someone with a job, and I think, why them? Why not my <laughs> wife? <laughs>
But, um, but what did she do then? Is she... That's my smug sound. Hmm. <laughs> <Is> she... <laughs> yeah, what, what, what she works did... in advertising and production. She had a good job. She had a good job. I'll tell you what, one income, four people, is a lot harder work than two yeah. incomes and two people. Jeez, that's yeah. hard. And you are, besides like the, the ground you get from Jimmy Carr every so often, you uh, just do clubs every night. Huh? <laughs> I make my living playing clubs. I do corporates as well. Corporates pay well, as you know. And uh, but I make my living. Do- I'm doing two gigs tonight on a Tuesday night. I'm doing two gigs. But you, but you love being on stage. I love it. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. And are you? Your writing process is uh, actually sitting down. Or no, when I write for myself, I don't write ever. Let things occur. Let things occur take them on stage, bounce them around, or improvising with someone and, and something magical just happens that's repeatable. Because a lot of improv's not repeatable, is it? It's, yeah. it's, it's only relevant to the guy's top or whatever happened. But when it's an ad-lib on stage that's isolated within a material, if you're improvising around your own material, then the yeah. ad-lib can stay in because yeah. it's relevant to what you've just said anyway. And that's how I write. So it's a myth that I'm a real writer. I only This is the thing. I can put myself in someone else's head and write for hours and produce 15 minutes of stuff in a day. It's maybe two days. For less than a grand, but but I but I don't have that discipline for myself unless I have a deadline. I need a deadline. I need a commission. But, I but that's because you're doing clubs, so you can't. I know you don't, but you could just do the rest same the laws. twenty minutes. No, yes, it's true. But the thing is, what what I find a bit disappointing in myself is I'm not I'm not motivated without a deadline. And some people are motivated without a deadline. Some people go, I'm going to write loads of stuff because I want to write loads of stuff. I had a Radio 4 series and managed to write two hours in nine months, which is an incredibly high turnover yeah. on my own. No help. Why can't I write half of that in nine months without the deadline? Because, Ash, you, like, like, obviously you get commissioned to write scripts, but you do have a lot in the bottom drawer that you've just written off your own back, haven't you? Yeah, screenplays, yeah. 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 But I think, I think it's, it's, it's a different thing, obviously, because you get to go out and try it that night. I mean, if you're writing, you get you can go look. I need to see if it's worse. I'll go and find out, and you do it, and you find out it, it does or it doesn't. Oh, you find out you, like a year later. You're writing a film, yeah, or a TV series. But it takes you a year, and then someone goes, well, "It's not quite right." God. The worst thing about Try that again. And God, right, I'll see you in a year. Because Adam, you're, you're probably similar to me when you know when you you get the germ of an idea. Like I'm sure you say it to your wife or yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah. Ash, one of my best friends. He writes films, doesn't even show them to me. And I'm not saying as a bad thing. I'm just saying you have that confidence of going, oh, I'm not showing this to anyone. Well, I have done. I do show. It's not that I don't show it to anyone. I just get so many notes from producers yeah. all the time. My life is a serious... I just get notes. No, but I'm saying before you get into that process, but, like, you know, you will write but a whole film. I often film. send something to you at the end and go, make it funny. No, but, <laughs> but, but you know. know what I mean? But you, you have the... Like, that's the thing. Like, we're comics. We desperately need to be told straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Something. Well, I'm but just I saying the process is so different, though. I mean, I, you know, that's the one thing I miss about stand-up is that... Well, the one thing, because I, I loved it for the short time I did it. But I love that immediacy of, you know, you know, having a coffee in the morning and thinking of something oh, really it's funny and yeah. going, I'm doing that, that's going to work. But isn't, I, isn't there a I weird brain connect? And I just want to know if it's the same but right. But, you know, like, when I say you, you test out the material, you don't, because when you come up with an idea, you know it's good. If, uh, uh, personally, it's only about one in ten ideas I know is good. Really? Often I'm very surprised that it got a big laugh than I thought, and I was unsure, or something I thought was amazing doesn't get a big laugh. That's scary. I always yeah. know. Oh, do you know? No, I don't. I know when it's good. Like, I don't. I, I kind of, like, I'll also know if I want to talk about something so it's not as funny, but I'm trying to say something. Oh, that gotcha. makes sense. Can I tell you what my test is? Go on. If I chuckle to myself walking down the street as I think of it, I know it can 
it has to work because I thought of it. So therefore, there's no. I'm hearing you surprised it. Surprised yourself. I surprised myself. You think, well, how much of a twist is that? Is if I'm thinking it to myself, going over it and chuckling to myself, and that's such a nice feeling. But that very rarely happens. And have you ever been wrong? No, not with that. No. If it if it forces a laugh at me on my own, because laughter is often expressive, isn't it? You laugh with your friends. You watch a video that you've seen a hundred times with a friend come round, and you'll sit and laugh all the way through. Yeah. Whereas on your own, you sit and stare at it. Mm. Laughter's often shared, Jeez, isn't it? You've just described my life. <laughs> so no, I don't. I don't know. Can I just say I had a Radio Four series uh, for you, three years. Loves talking about this. I do love I? talking about that. And w- what? Um, when I, I sure I should have said with my Radio Four. Should have recapped. Should I've given yeah. away that I really want you to know. <laughs> so this Radio Four series of mine, um, two thousand two, two thousand five, um, got dropped. Um, that was such a buzz because I'd spend nine months writing and not know if six scripts were funny. Yeah. And then on the night, do two a night for three weeks running, and you do a record, and they laugh all the way through, most of the way through, and that was the biggest buzz because it was so much time waiting. Right. So the the non immediacy of it was actually a bigger buzz because you had to find it's like waiting what, what your presents are, looking under a tree, going, I wonder what that is, wonder what that is, and then going, da da, it's ah, oh, it's that, and that was such a buzz. The even bigger buzz than that was when they happened. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. To be three people on stage and me in the back, and I happen to not be in that scene, and watching everyone else making the audience laugh, and knowing that you were the puppeteer, which must mm-hmm. be the screenplay feeling, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. No, it is. It's, it is great when you see it, mate. But this, I mean, that even, but even radio has an immediacy because uh, you've got a live audience. Oh, you, you just have to find out what people think. That, you know, you can be on set, and you've got a crew of sixty people going. I've just got to work out what this plug is, and you're going. This is really funny what you're yeah. seeing now, and they're like, Yeah, no, oh, uh, right. about a light. But, so it's not until you actually, and then even when it's broadcast, it goes out on the telly, and you bring your mates on, and you go, look, it's out on the telly, and then you kind of go, oh, that didn't really. So you'd have to see a screening of it, and yeah, and I think it's. I mean, I wrote sketch shows for a while, and that's a bit clearer because obviously it's the same process is that you're writing it, you know, you're, you're 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 crafting something, and then you do it live, so you get it, it's quick. But I think when you're writing the kind of you know, comedies or dramas on television, obviously you just don't. I find it. I find you can get, I find you get, you get so many notes in the process that even by the time it goes on, you're getting notes. Even if it's from your mum ringing you up, going, "Why did you write that?" You're still getting notes right through to the end. God, that's the beautiful thing about comedy, like a total. If it's funny, control. it works. That's it. They're laughing. But, but what I want to know is, like, as I say, when Adam was saying about, like, he's walking down the road and he chuckles himself. I know. And I'm sure you're the same. Where you just went, I can't wait to tell yeah, someone wonderful. this idea. Wonderful. But you, you don't do that. You just go, "That'll sit in that script." Because I think uh, all I can do is come up with a premise. You can come up with a fully thought through idea between your home and Sainsbury's and go, "That's funny." Uh, you know, if you're chuckling to yourself, you've surprised yourself. You find out. All I can do in that walk is come up with a premise, and that is not going to. That's got to last for two hours story. It's like you've written novels. That's even bigger. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, go, but, you, you know, with a novel, you're like, "I've got this idea," and you think, "Really, it's a novel?" How? But How's weirdly, that be a novel? weirdly, with novels, is I start. I, I have no idea who takes over that pen. It's something that takes control and it writes itself. 
mm. and like it's all in there, which is a beautiful feeling. But but it's freer. It's, it's called freer. a it's called a ghostwriter, Sean. But no, but it, in a <laughs> sense, it is like because it is that thing of you just going. I had no idea those thoughts were in my head. That's me improvising. When I get heckled, it just pours out and it forms itself, and I, I'm not in control. It's just subconscious piecing it together. You get so used to doing something, yeah. your subconscious control. But this is narrative, right? Watch that. Yeah. To Michael Richards. Oh gosh. From it's okay. About it's okay. Jamie Clarkson's taken a heat off him. Of yeah, we should point out for anyone that was the guy from Seinfeld who just went on stage and just lost it. Big lost star, Did you? I saw. Uh, I saw uh, Dave. Dave Chappelle talking about that on stage. He was improvising, I think. And he went, you know, as a black person, I I watched that and I was hurt. But as a comic, I was like, okay, he's having a bad gig. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. But Adam, I don't want to get too deep, but because you've been doing this such a long time, and you kind of still like when you're doing the twenty minute sets, they're just really good jokes, right? But like I find, I'm coming from just trying to understand you from where I'm coming from. Yeah. I now pretty much don't write jokes. I just try to like make clear ideas and make them funny. Mm. But do you not want to kind of? go deeper into it. Because, like, we know... It's, it's just the thing. You know you can write a joke, so that's boring for you now. No, I do. But wait a minute. I do go deeper. In, the thing is, what you saw last of me was a very rowdy gig, and I banged out jokes at the oh, 100 yeah, miles but, an hour. No, I'm but talking I, about from the 20-minute perspective. Oh, no. I, within a 20-minute set... Well, no, I often get booked to do 45 minutes and stuff, right. which you can expand more. But what it was me, I'm a whore for laughs. And when I go walk on the stage and go bang, 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 and they're laughing as many times per minute, apart from like Tim Vine, as many times per minute as, as an audience does, yeah. and hard and fast, bang, bang, bang. I'm not in the mood then to take it down and start going, and this happened to me once in my life and it hurt and this and this and here's some thoughts. Because the last minute slowed down. Yeah. So if I do, my point is when I, for me to start opening up a bit, I'd like at least half an hour. Occasionally in a 20-minute set, I'll tell a story that's a bit honest and stuff. But that's when the radio came in. I did half hours. I would talk about absolute pain in my life. Right. And expand and then re-enact a story for five minutes and then talk about the pain for another So you've got that minutes. out of your system that way? It's not, not out of my system. It's just I need a longer set to do that because I don't... You know, you you do one-man shows and I do clubs, so therefore I want the audience to laugh a lot. And in a one-man show, you can bring it right down and you can open up and you can have gaps between laughs. You know that? You know that? And you're not that interested in that, though? I don't know. I don't have the privilege of that. I'm not well-known enough to fill a theatre. What I can do, for me to be rebooked in a club regularly and in a recession and be still on someone's A-list, I want to go and smash it. I want the audience to be helpless with laughter and screaming, cheering at the end. Right. And that, to achieve that... I really have to bang the jokes out there, or rather, I feel that's the best way to be but, but I, considered I, good. I think that's a given with you okay. because you're seeing this top class. But I'm just saying, from your own personal point of view, of you know, all this stuff works. So, yeah. is it is there times where it feels like soulless? It feels sometimes like it's so easy to do. Like I could go on a rowdy late gig, and this sounds a bit arrogant. I could go on a rowdy late gig and walk on with body language that says, "I've been doing this for twenty years. I'm going to do well," and yeah. the audience. To trust me within 30 seconds of being on stage it's just that like a bounce in a club when the fight breaks off bouncer's not even i saw bouncer not looking in the direction of the argument he looked the other way i thought how experienced are you at breaking up fights when you're not even looking at the fight and i take it that worked it did work because what it did was the body language gave off that he didn't need to try see i'd like i'd like to see adam write a novel wouldn't you yeah any plans 
Uh, it's crossed my mind. I've only read one novel in my life. The only trouble that said my... Under- I've written two, so you haven't read the both of them. Jeez. Eminem <laughs> 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 M&M had a lovely line in a, a dissing someone. He said, uh, you couldn't... Something, something sloppy. You couldn't tell, sell two CDs if you burnt a double copy. Right. <laughs> so, I didn't, I didn't have you down as a hip-hopper. Oh, a huge hip-hopper. Huge hip-hopper. I was a breakdancer. I've got a criminal record for graffiti, still, from 1987. What was it? What, what, what was it? Yeah, what was the graffiti? It was my name on a wall, my tag. <laughs> what, what's your tag? My tag was Salt, S-O-R-T, which divided in two means so arty. So even at 16, I was a genius. Right, I think And if you've got a criminal record, what does that mean? It means whenever I get arrested, uh, whenever I get stopped by the police and they do a name check on me, they go, did you get arrested for criminal damage when you were 17? And I go, yeah. And I think, surely, if you're trying to find out if I'll give you the correct name, you should say, what were you given, what were you go- <laughs> arrested for? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if they yeah. want to check, it's me. Why do they go, Probably so you're Adam Bloom? Apparently you're Adam Bloom, are you? Yeah, well, did you get arrested for criminal damage when you were 17? Yes. I think multiple choice is not the best way to find out if you're talking I, to a real I, person. I thought... When you get stopped oh, by the police, though, there's like a big problem with no, white, you know white I mean. stop and search and <laughs> 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 No, no, it's whenever I go out with a black friend. Right, right. But I thought... Um, Things like that went off your uh, records after two years. For the rest of my life, no, no. I, for the rest of my life, I have a criminal record. So you can't get into America? No, because it's so minor. You can, so uh, that's fine, you can do that. But I, I recently did some gigs where I had to fill in a form that asked if I'd been arrested, and I had to put that down. Because uh, when I was 18 years that old... junglers, was it? No. <laughs> when I was 18 years old, I trained to be a croupier, a blackjack dealer, and it said, have you been arrested for anything? I said, no. And then it came through. We found out. So you... can you stop writing that shit on the wall? <laughs> it said, you... no, it came through. And so we got a letter from the gaming board and said, we found out you've been arrested for graffiti. You have a criminal record. We take it very seriously when people lie on forms. Uh, but since it's such a minor crime, we'll let you off. Right. But you know, the, the sad thing was, I'd already been sacked for mucking about by the time the letter came through to me. Sack, did I say you're sacked for mucking about? Yes. And so, they said, Adam, stop mucking about. I was doing roulette. It's not a game. I went, think you find it is. <laughs> um, didn't you, uh, didn't you uh, go on that American show, The Last Comic Stand? No. I went out. Let's hear what happened. Yeah. I got no, asked l- to go l- Explain over. it. So okay. it's, it's a show. It's a bit like uh, X Factor, isn't it? Yes, for comedy. Yeah. Right. So what happened? I got an email from my agent saying, do you want to go to Miami to audition for this programme? They'll fly you out and put you up for five days, three or four days. I thought, wow, that's, that's a sign I've got the job. They're flying to Miami for an audition. Economy class. <laughs> but the point, you're always there, aren't you? <laughs> um, I've, only written Jim, I've only written for Jimmy Carr three days' work ever, by the way, spanning over... We've got it, Adam! No, 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 we haven't, we haven't, because he's not an example, because he used me in 2003 for one day right. and about five years ago four years ago for two days that really is a minimal amount of work but anyway john bishop no no i wish i wish sarah milligan no no i don't <laughs> wish that's clear i don't wish <laughs> sorry <laughs> so it's like we walk in a room and you go i like your jumper and i think the other person in the jumper sit there going thanks you don't like my jumper so i have to walk in the jumper and go nice jumper ah nice jumper yeah, nice jumper nice jumper nice jumper it was mean-spirited of me but who's the main person you write for then? not to you but they, is that because they don't want people to know that people I've like never discussed it with him. It's him. Oh, my God, it's a massive man. Right, okay. Um, What's the chances in comedy? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say he was a comedian. Well, you, you did, because you're writing for stand-up comics. Yeah, but this one isn't. The person I've done most work for is not a comedian. Well, like a, a magician type thing. <laughs> Could be. I've written for a magician. I've written for a sword swallower. Paul I've written for a, 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 a pickpocket. I've written for a pickpocket, a sword swallower. 
I've written for a painter. I've written for a DJ. I've written for a... Make Tim... some noise! Tim Clark... Adam wrote that. Tim Clark has written for Gordon Brown. Yeah, I know a lot of that. He wrote a speech yeah. for Gordon Brown. Yeah, that didn't go well, though. <laughs> he got the job. But, so tell us about Miami. Oh, I so j- listen to this. So I, I said I cut you off. I didn't. He went straight into the Jimmy Carr thing. No, it's just realised I haven't clarified it, so I wanted to get yeah. it in before the end of the, the, the thing, before he brings me as a girl at me. Um, um, the, this was a weird one, because I did Edinburgh Bus. Do you remember that documentary about the Edinburgh Festival? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, I did that in 1998. It was a great bit of uh, a boost for me as a new comic. Um, then I got asked to do... King as a Comedy, which was on E4, and I turned it down because I didn't want to be involved in a reality TV program living in a house. Oh, right, I remember that. And, God, yeah. and, and I also got asked to do that Show Me the Funny, so that, that was on the Patrick Monaghan one. Yeah. So there's obviously something about By me. By hugging people. Well, <laughs> and overrunning hugging. Um, the, the, the point is that because I'm a little bit quirky, and I suppose a lot of comedians don't, you know, some comedians on camera aren't going to be that. that I'm just. Uh, by the way, this story started off by getting on a plane to Miami. I'm just glad I wasn't sitting beside Adam on this plane because <laughs> you were just so diversified. Oh, okay, am I really? Okay, like, you went to Miami. And then you've, oh, you've on, explained man. every bad comedy show that's ever been in England. No, the point. The point is because I got asked to do all, all the ones that there ever yeah. were in England. Yeah, I did one and turned down two. So last yeah. comic standard. Well, yeah. listen, last right. comic standard is another one. So my ego was going because by that point I'd done. Uh, these two of these three I've talked about had come up mm. so it was like I get asked to do every reality TV show that is exists in comedy my ego was like wow I'm going to Miami the other guy there's a guy called Alonzo Bowden who was a judge on the first series who I worked with once and made a massive fuss about what I did so I thought wow I'm going to be they're flying me out to Miami for an audition which will be full of American comics Alonzo's going to be there who loves me so I'm going to get the job yeah. got, to my, got to Heathrow Airport there were literally 50 British comedians at Heathrow so already I'm thinking, okay, I haven't got the job. <laughs> Did right? you go into a lounge and write for some of them? <laughs> no, but the 50... Listen, got to the auditions, jet-lagged, next morning, all that thing. No, not even a day off, all that. It was next morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. So I've had three hours sleep and I haven't even, you know, hardly eaten or anything. Did my three-minute audition to the producer and the director, standing, doing stand-up to two people, yeah. and didn't get through. And I just thought, so you flew me to Miami to tell me I'm not funny. Yeah, that's pretty shit. That's so, then, a comedian, I'll tell you his name, his name's Mark Olver, who's a, a great comedian, he's a brilliant warm-up artist as well. He uh, did his audition, and he did two jokes of the three minutes, yeah. and they didn't laugh, as they didn't with me. And he stopped, and he went, this is, this is rubbish. And that is soulless, isn't it? Yeah, he went, this is soulless. I think he even said soulless. Comedy's about the truth, and this isn't the truth. This is two people staring at one person, awkwardly doing stand-up without an audience. And he went, you just got Adam Bloom off the show, and um, and he's really good, so I think this is, I don't want anything to do with it. Oh, so he, threw it. he went to Miami and threw an audition <laughs> after 30 seconds. They came out and went, where's Adam? And they went, well, I'm here. And they went, you're through to the next round, the semi-finals. Because of what he said? Because of what he said. So he became an absolute hero on the trip. He was the man who fell on his sword for someone. Right. It was beautiful. He and didn't the- fall on his sword for me. He fell on his sword because he didn't like the, pr- the programme and mentioned me in passing. But can you imagine how 50 comics felt about him for, sure, for yeah. telling that to him? But I, I take it, like, right. the fact that they said, you're not through, then you are through, it's kind of one of those, you knew you weren't going to win it. Oh, well, that's the, I felt like saying to him, listen, 
it seems like a bit of an audition rather than a uh, rather than a. Uh, if it feels like a casting rather than an audition. Yeah. And therefore, I don't think you really want me. You've got the Asian guy, you've got the gay guy, you've got the black guy, you've got the quirky English guy. It's a bit like that. I am clearly not going to win this or even get be in the final. So I'd rather not. But what I saw was, I've flown to Miami and been rejected. Now I'm being picked up again. So my brain just went chance. Yeah, yeah. So but, like, because weirdly, Jim mm-hmm. Tavares ended up doing. He lives he, that in was America the same now. year. That was the same he year. Yeah. Right. Mm. And he's fairly average, to be fair. Mm. Well, I think he's great. But anyway, the point is that the 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 dad. I'll tell you what I relate to is when you see people on those uh, factory type things, and they're virtually begging. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, look, you you hit it. In a, it was a casting rather than like and yeah. comedy shouldn't That's be about casting. No, but the point. But the point is, I went to the next round, which was another casting in front of the uh, two guys from what's that brilliant sitcom Thirty Rock on the buses. <laughs> thirty Rock on the buses. Number Thirty Rock on buses. It was two actors from the sitcom, right? Who have got earpieces with the director telling them yes, no, whatever to say, or being told in advance that goes through. It's rubbish. No, no, it's rubbish. I auditioned for them, and they am denied. And I found myself trying to sell myself and defend myself in that begging way. Please, sir, can yeah, I have yeah, some more? And, and I thought, what am I doing? I'm begging. Yeah. I'm begging to some actors whether I should. Be I felt myself because I'm going. I've come all this way, and I'm nearly through, and I've got to be knocked back and picked up and knocked back, mm. and I got through. Just final point there is like when you say that's why I'm not successful. You are successful. Like like. Media and television is just one aspect of a thing, which is horseshit. Right. So don't ever see yourself as not successful. Thank you, that's very sweet. No, that's and very I, sweet. I do mean that, because I just think it's taken over too much, and you're a soulful guy who like does stand-up comedy, and they're the people I love. Okay? Oh, bless you. Well, I'll tell you what I'm taking away from this. Um, that cup. <laughs> I'm, take, I'm having it. I am having the cup you can as have a it. souvenir. I, um, I'm... Um, I'm taking away from this that maybe in 20-minute sets I should still do some of the stuff that's a bit more honest and personal. I, I do get across some of that honesty. Yeah, but not necessarily because, like, as I say, clubs will be going, what the hell are you doing? Just But do do a couple of new one-man shows because I'd love to see it, you know? Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. Listen, that, God, you've been very quiet, uh, Dr. Uh, Boyle, Professor Comley. Sorry uh, we went off topic a little bit there, but um, now you're a professor of uh, sport and health science. Now, studies sh- showing that... 20 minutes of intense exercise three times a day increases the uh, in- increases like your your health rather than like just constantly running. That's right. There's been some evidence that your, the size of your hippocampus increases with regular exercise, and that improves your memory. Listen, thank you so much for coming in. Listen, this has been a, a Dogs in the Field production with me, Sean Hughes. You've been listening to Under Radar. Subscribe. Thank you so much, Adam Bloom uh, and Ash Ditter, as ever. Um, God love whoever believes in him.